this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Support for this podcast comes from HomeBank, providing mobile app and account notification technology to help customers detect fraudulent activity, because security is knowing. Find more tips to bank securely at Home24Bank.com. HomeBank, member FDIC. We're also grateful for the support of Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, physician-owned and patient-centered, who consistently delivers excellence in comfort, care, and treatment in Acadiana. Their physicians are directly involved in all aspects of patient care, and its knowledgeable staff ensures the highest quality patient care in every department. Experience the difference in care at Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. Our guest is Dr. Jason Cormier of Acadiana Neurosurgery. Dr. Cormier serves as a neurosurgeon at Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. He operates on the brain and the spine. A native of Lafayette, Dr. Cormier is a graduate of St. Thomas More in LSU, where he played point guard alongside Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Jackson. He went on to graduate from LSU Med School and was a neurosurgery resident at the University of Alabama at Birmingham for six years, where he trained in complex spinal surgery. Dr. Cormier has worked extensively with traumatic brain injuries, and he assists the NCAA football, the NFL, NASCAR, the Jockeys Guild, and many, many more organizations. He helps those people that are most at risk from trauma. Dr. Cormier also serves as a consultant on three panels within the FDA for neurosurgical innovations. He founded the Motorsports Safety Group and the Motorsports Brain and Spine Foundation. Dr. Cormier has been named one of America's top surgeons in the field of neurosurgery by the Consumers Research Council and Guide to America's Top Surgeons. He recently published his autobiography, Driven, which talks about overcoming trials, and tribulations. Dr. Cormier, and I hope I can call you Jason while we're talking, I want to thank you for making time to visit Discover Lafayette. Welcome to the show. Jan, thanks for having me on the show. It's a, it's a privilege and honor to be yeah. here. So we met briefly several years back, and I honestly did not know the complexity of your background. I especially didn't know that you were really good friends with Marcus Lyle Brown. <laughs> who's also a friend and hero of mine. You go way back to Marcus, STM together. Yeah, Marcus is one of my best friends in the world. He's he, awesome. He's, he's family. Uh, his whole family, his wife, Yvette, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, his beautiful kids. Uh, I speak to him quite often, and uh, he's certainly been uh, one of the, uh, really the cornerstones of, of who I am as mm-hmm. a person here and uh, being here in Lafayette, Louisiana. So you guys were musicians and DJs together. And so you you have an interesting background besides being a neurosurgeon, you multifaceted guy. Well, you know, Carl Martin was part of that little uh, trio, I Is would have to say. Guy? That's the third guy. Uh-huh. And um, and so Marcus and Carl uh, essentially were the the visual aspect of it, and I was the DJ. And so through that, we had these, I guess we 
we produced some things and, and then Carl went on to, you know, sell millions of records. And uh-huh. then uh, Carl and then uh, Marcus went on to uh, um, become a really you know, well-known person in the field of acting and mm-hmm. theater, uh, which he's just completely awesome with. And then I pursued a number of different things, you know, that you kind of mentioned before. Yeah. They were, they were the visual ones. Did they dance more than you did? How were they visual? Well, they danced, they, you know, we, we had this kind of this break dancing situation oh way back when. Yeah. <laughs> if you can envision that. Um, but no, they are, they were just kind of in control of the crowd and I kind of sat back and played the music and mixed and matched mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, it just, it just worked out. It was having fun as kids. You That's know? great. Yeah. So LSU basketball under Dale Brown. I mean, what a, and Shaquille O'Neal. I don't even know where you want to start with that. Dale Brown is such an inspiration for people. Dale Brown is such a great motivator for, you know, whatever walk of life you come from. Um, he's able to um, insert his knowledge and his wisdom um, into whatever you do, whatever you want to be in so many different ways. And he can motivate you to do whatever it is you really want to do and you're, and you're not sure of yourself. And so mm-hmm. I owe him a lot. Uh, and really the coach from a coaching standpoint, um, I can't really think of a, um, you know, of course I was uh, at St. Thomas More Coach Danny was certainly a, mm-hmm. a motivator as well and, and a coach. And, and Coach Brown kind of took that also to the next level. And then you meet, you know, big, big Shaq, yeah. you know, who is really the, the biggest, the biggest guy I've ever seen um, break dance and um, <laughs> interact with kids and just be a, just have a big heart. And I mm-hmm. usually see him um, two or three times a year um, when he comes to, to town. Yeah. So um, it's a relationship that I cherish and I still watch uh, videos and, and learn from different mm-hmm. things that, that, that he says on different podcasts as well. So, Did your coaches instill in you the importance of good grades? I know you were raised um, by a single mom and I'm sure you had a lot of motivation to do well, but did your coaches and your athletic career inspire you to, to do the best you could be? I think the coaches... Um, stress education, but no one stressed education more than my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have to give her credit for that. Uh, the coaches kind of taught us about being um, brothers and cousins and teammates and watching after each other. So they created that brotherhood and that uh, loyalty and support for one another. Um, and really the educational piece came from, you know, the people I grew up with and my mm-hmm. mother. So I have to give her credit for that. Did you always yeah. want to be a physician, a surgeon in particular? No, I wanted to be um, an NBA player, and yeah. uh, and that went on for a little while. You played, and then, right? Yeah, you played I did. professionally. I did, and uh, it was cut short. And um, but my mother, again, she she pushed education. Um, she had her own different ways of doing that, <laughs> uh, which I talk about in the book. But uh, uh, you know. I have to give her credit for that because she said, you know, education is something that you can't take away. And, and from that, um, I was mm-hmm. always good in science. My mother was a science teacher. She's, she's, you Where, know, where did she teach? She taught at, I remember as a kid, she was te- she was like a TA at, um, UL, oh, USL cool. at the time. Yeah. Um, and then she taught at Lafayette High for many years and mm-hmm. she remained like in the, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, school system for a while. And I was always really good in sciences because of her, because of her background. And so it made sense to, yeah. to it was a natural migration to science and wanting to be a, you know, a doctor. But so. neurosurgery is probably, <laughs> if, when I think of surgery, that's the, the cream of the crop. That's delicate, life-changing surgery. 
You know, I used to, I used to think that until, um, uh, you know, I joined um, Lafayette Surgical Hospital and some of the physicians there. And, you know, you think, yeah, maybe you think you're creme de la creme, but then you see some of what these other physicians do. And mm -hmm. it puts a lot of, it'll put in perspective that, you know, there's so much talent across the lines, whether it's orthopedic surgery, ENT, dermatology, yeah. ophthalmology, et cetera. There's, these people are really talented and you start scratching your head and you start thinking, man, how did they accomplish that? And so you would like to believe that, yeah, you're at the, you're at the top of the, the, the ladder, but I don't know, man, you know, it's, it's been, um, it's been pleasantly surprising to see the other specialties to me in my eyes, right up there with neurosurgery. I've enjoyed going to Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital mm -hmm. as my podcast. You know, I haven't had the opportunity yet <laughs> to have surgery there, but I interviewed another physician, um, Dr. Stubbs, and I met so many people in there, and they really were so happy. People love what they're doing, and they were in different fields from you. You're right. But there's something about that being physician-owned um, that I could pick up on. Like, every hospital has its own attributes, but that... You guys kind of run the show and make sure that the patients feel really taken care of. And you've got a whole team of different specialists that are part of that group. You know, I think we, we were blessed with uh, John Cobb as a visionary, mm -hmm. visionary in, the, yeah. in the past and some of the others that joined him. Um, and, and you're right. You know, people are happy. You know, Malcolm Stubbs that you mentioned earlier, I mean, he's, a, he's just a general in orthopedic surgery. Um, Adam Perry and the list goes on. Uh, you know, Lafayette Surgical recruited a number of uh, specialists in their fields that were really at the top of their game. And so um, they have good reason to be happy. Uh, and it's a team effort. You know, it doesn't you can't do it alone um, in a silo as one human being. You need a team. And so for me, my outcomes, I always give credit to the team. You, you can't do this by yourself. I will tell every single patient that I operate on. Um, that, uh, you know, I had a good team backing me up and I had the good Lord. And that, I believe in that um, from start to finish. It starts when you walk in that door. There are happy people for good reason. It's a good vision. It's been executed well. And Buffy Domain's a big credit yeah. uh, for that. So She yeah. um, is executive director. Or she's, a, she's a CEO. CEO she's a CEO of the hospital. Yeah. And um, she has, you know, a really excellent team of, uh, of administrators following her um, and, I just can't say enough. Uh, people go out of their way. If we're having bad days as surgeons, we sometimes can whine and go at each other's uh, throats for, you know, in a manner of speaking. Um, and they find ways to just make it all work. And so people mm -hmm. just remain happy. At the end of the day, we're all brothers and sisters working for a common goal. Yeah. I'd like to hear about your practice. I know you focus on the brain and the spine, and there's some new procedures that you are taking advantage of that helps make those surgeries even more successful than probably they were, you know, several years ago. But if you can talk about your specialty, like neurosurgery and the kind of people that you help. Sure. You know. So um, my, my practice is uh, more general surgery, but it's more, um, I do a lot of complex brain surgery, which includes um, uh, vascular neurosurgery. So uh, arteriovenous malformations, which is a collection of vessels in the brain that can sometimes bleed and, and okay. create a, uh, some horrible things. Is that an aneurysm uh, or that's So different? aneurysms are slightly different. So mm -hmm. I do the, probably 95% of the aneurysms that come into Lafayette 
Um, and then also tumors, uh, whether it's in awake craniotomy, where I uh, perform intraoperative awake uh, brain mapping uh, to resect tumors. Um, and that also uh, led into minimally invasive corridors um, utilizing a tube to take out tumors in the brain. So oh, wow. less destruction to yeah. the brain. God, in the body. Right. And we use uh, different technologies. That's something, uh, an MRI called diffuse tincture imaging, which looks at the actual function or the tractography of the brain, which a number of facilities still around the country aren't using, but we have that technology here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes down into, uh, of course, brain trauma. Uh, I'm involved in a number of, of um, you know, initiatives um, like Brain Armor, um, which is omega-3 fatty acids, and that was brought on by I Julian Bales. Yeah. about after people really have severe brain damage. Correct, yeah. What and does that do? Like- so omega-3 fatty acids, particularly that when you look for good omega-3 fatty acids, the DHA, the EPA content was studied by Trident. That's where it started. And Julian Bales, with a number of people yeah. probably recognize from the movie Concussion, mm-hmm. uh, he and I sit on that medical advisory board. Um, and it's been shown to help um, restructure uh, um, damaged neurons and areas of scar tissue, uh, scarring and also damage. And so, so athletes that have had traumatic uh, concussions, absolutely brain damage, all people of trauma. I recommend or anybody, I guess, a car wreck or any type. Absolutely. Um, So for the for any athletes, professional in college, I recommend that uh, just to take it. Correct. uh Also, the NASCAR drivers. uh, some of the other professional organizations, I do recommend that. And and look, you know, the, the, the local colleges are doing it too. UL's doing a really good job. Their initiatives have been great. Their protocols have been great as well. Um, so I work with hand-in-hand hand with them as well. Mm-hmm. And then um, that also led to, um, you know, the Q-collar, um, which yeah, is through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a. The helmet, it, huh? Well, this is, a, this is a collar that's based on. The physiology of the woodpecker and the battle ram. The woodpecker. Right. Two, it always is beating. That's right. Two it. animals that live by striking their heads, right? Mm-hmm. So the woodpecker can generate a force of 1,200 to twelve to 1,500 Gs every time it hits that tree. It can do that 25,000 times in one single day, which amounts about 85 to 86 million times in its lifetime. No brain injury. What we know about the woodpecker is that the tongue wraps around its brain twice before it exits the mouth. Hmm. Um, so there was, it was kind of this, this, wow. it was, it was, nature created it to be Protected. able to do these things. Yeah. The battle ram, um, <laughs> the battle ram. <laughs> right. The battle ram can create uh, a force of 780 pounds when they hit each other, which is like being hit with a baseball bat at 80 miles per hour. No brain injury. What they have in common with humans is uh, in a structure called the omohyoid ligament. So this Q collar accentuates and takes advantage of the omohyoid ligament. And so it provides about 1.5 pounds of pressure over the sternocleidomastoids. That allows a mild obstruction of blood from the brain. So it increases the amount of blood mm-hmm. in the brain and prevents the slosh effect or the movement of um of the brain inside of the skull. So in effect, you've created an airbag um, inside of the skull. And so it's been shown to decrease concussions by almost 90%. So is this so being used now in college sports? It's being used. It was FDA uh, cleared um, uh-huh. about a year and a half ago. Um, several NFL players are using it now. Several NASCAR drivers are using it now. Several NCAA uh, teams are using it now. It seems like it should start younger, doesn't it? It, to it help is. These guys. It is. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, it's become part of the uniform for special forces of mm-hmm. America, like the CIA and and um, a Delta Force and the Naval SEALs. And so this is a really good device. And so 
outside of the realms moving down the spine, <laughs> um, I do a number of things with um, the cervical spine to begin with motion preservation surgery. So a number of people out there will hear, uh, you know, you should never have surgery. Well, maybe they're right. Maybe they should listen to those, those stories because a lot of them are really true because a number of people should have probably never had surgery. And sometimes I see a lot of those people come into my office. Scars, scar tissue. And right. All yeah. And so um, for those out there that think that the only fix is a fusion, it's not. There are motion preservation surgeries, uh, both um, in the front of the neck as well as in the back, where you can treat the same conditions that are being treated with fusions. You can treat it with a motion preservation surgery to where you don't leave the stability that you had when you, when you walked in. Uh, so I do, in terms of complex spine surgery, I do spinal cord tumors, uh, spinal cord vascular lesions. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've several times I've had to rebuild the cervical spine, rebuild the thoracic spine, rebuild the lumbar spine. And so that kind of leads into the degenerative or herniated types of pictures in something we call the Miris uh, IO expandable. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. This is the newest uh, That's one technology. of the newest, right. It's one yeah. of the newest technologies. And it's basically an inner body device that was created by a company called Miris. And now Miris is short for miracle. And it's a, oh. um, the it's CEO's- M-I-R-U-S. Correct. Yeah. And, and, the, and the CEO's name is Jay Yado. And, um, and Jay was a, um, he's a cardiologist by trade and he was, um, he created a number of different things in the cardiovascular world and was very successful with it and decided to um, combine his talents with a guy by the name of Case Polstra, who is a very well-known spine surgeon. And they decided, you know, maybe we can bring this to spine surgery. And so through that, they built out, they started building this portfolio that I was lucky enough to be a part of. And they created this expandable um, device that essentially goes into the disc space mm -hmm. and the lumbar spine and you can expand it to where uh, if you start off with like, let's say you have a collapsed disc that should be ordinarily about 10 millimeters. It's now at a level of approximately, let's say, two millimeters where that disc can be inserted. Uh, that device can be inserted and restore the height that you've lost. Uh -huh. The cool thing about it is that it's created to be inserted in both what we call an open as well as MIS or minimally invasive corridor. And the difference is, is that um, the minimally invasive corridor is roughly a 26 millimeter, 20, 26 millimeter incision. So you can do the same spinal surgery that people are doing from a big open 12 inch incision. You can do uh, with minimal uh, muscle damage or destruction, um, you can accomplish those goals to a very small, small corridor. And so that's something that I think that, um, you know, some other surgeons are doing, uh, and it's really changed spinal surgery for, for, yeah. for the better. What does that mean for the patient? Like the downtime, the recovery, the, sure. the pain? Sure. So when you're, when you're comparing a 26 millimeter incision to now a 12 inch incision, less blood loss, they get up, they, they're walking the same day, the amount of pain meds that control their issues mm -hmm. will drop dramatically. The blood losses uh, drops dr dramatically. And, you know, it, it doesn't stop there. Um, you know, we're also doing what we call lateral access. There are different ways to get to the spine. And the lateral aspect of it um, has taken a big jump to now we can get bigger um, fixation constructs, again, through small corridors. And now we're also doing that from a prone lateral position. And 
Again, I have <laughs> this to credit. This is so complicated. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have to credit again, Lafayette Surgical for for just jumping on Bringing board with in, it huh? and saying, you know what? Yeah, let's go and having the confidence that we can uh-huh. accomplish those goals. And look, the Miris IO Expandable is literally the strongest antibody device in the world. The instrumentation that we use, it's called MORE. It's a combination of molybdenum and rhenium. How do you spell that? M-O-R-E. M-O and then capital R-E. Right. Yeah. And it's the two elements, molybdenum and rhenium. And basically mm-hmm. MORE, uh, the molybdenum is, um, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a metal that's, that's non-corrosive. It doesn't have uh, iron or, or um, nickel in it, which helps with, um, you know, when you, if you have to have an MRI, let's say, you don't get the artifact that you would normally get. You don't have the pain that you get secondary to the spillage or debris that comes off screws fixations from nickel or um, iron. And so literally it's the strongest metal in the world that we know. And we were the first ones to be able to put that in. Mm-hmm. It happened here in Lafayette, Louisiana. And so Miris, I have to say thank you for them to, for allowing us to do that here in Lafayette. How how would you compare surgeries you did five or, I don't know, eight years ago or so to what you're doing now, like your patient outcomes? It just seems like there's been such an advance, advancement. And it's not been overnight, though, right? This has been in the works. You know, it's a, it's a good question. It's, you know, when I, was, I started doing disc arthroplasty, which is a motion preservation surgery that you go through the front. And before it was... Uh, a cervical discectomy infusion where we would put plates and all those Mm. sorts of things and screws in the front. And so now um, with the disc arthroplasty there where it's in motion preservation, that has changed my practice. Um, I think the outcomes have been pretty good. I've been blessed. And, you know, I started off with Alan Apley. And so I was able to ride, you know, his coattails and he became, you know, somewhat of a mentor after after Mm -hmm. training. And so my outcomes were, were pretty good. But I think as a technology, as I was exposed to technology and I took part in developing a lot of that technology, um, I was able to do even more and accomplish some of the things that I was trained to do um, through smaller corridors with essentially the same or better outcomes. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to tell people that might be going, they're suffering, they have back pain, spinal pain? Is there anything you would tell them about what some of their options would so be? So it, it depends on... Um, you know, when patients come into me and they they kind of know they need something, they done. probably don't want to have surgery. Right, they though, don't right? want to have surgery. Um, and 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 they and the the common the common theme is, I spoke to my friend, I heard this, and you know, they said you should never have surgery on your back or your neck. And I tell them outright, I go pro- listen to those stories because probably ninety five percent of those stories are true. Mm -hmm. If your x-ray looks horrible, but you're not in pain, then don't have surgery. Unfortunately, some of those people have surgery. So now you have now the creation of pain. And so now you need to have revision surgery. So for someone that's either had surgery or they're looking and thinking that they may need surgery and they're on the fence, I would say get a second opinion, Mm -hmm. you know, because this is not about us. It's about you. And have a conversation if that person you're talking to can't you don't connect with them or you don't feel a certain way then that's probably not the person for you Mm -hmm. um but if you're in pain there's typically some in some form or fashion some sort of option and sometimes there isn't and you have to be honest and open to hear that and the person talking to you needs to be honest enough to tell you that maybe there aren't any more options but they're typically something you can do well if they do choose surgery i think we're lucky 
to have this here in Lafayette. I mean, we're, we're a medical hub, but we're a relatively small community compared to a lot of other places around the U.S. that probably are now offering this also. Yeah, you know, we're, we're small. Uh, we're a small town, or I would say a small town, but gosh, there's, such, there's, there's so much skill here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, orthopedics good, cardiovascular is good, ophthalmology, you name it, ENT, uh, neurosurgery. It's, it's, we've been blessed in this community. And, and so you don't have to, you know, run down the road to Houston or anywhere. Um, general surgery, uh, you know, just phenomenal specialists here. And I, I would say, you know, being in Lafayette, I'm always, I'm always, um, tickled when I go to different conferences and I'm giving a speech or something. And, you know, last year I was a, a president of the World Brain Mapping Organization. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so it's so um, it's such a privilege to be able to come from Lafayette and represent, you know, Lafayette on that big stage in front of all these other countries. International. I know. And, and they're like, so where are you from? And you go, I'm from Lafayette. Or when the NFL is now talking about the Q collar or NASCAR and all these mm-hmm. other institutions are talking about the Q collar and they look on the website of Q30 Innovations and they see Lafayette Surgical under my name. That's really a proud badge that, you know, I'm just I feel humbled and privileged to be able to, to offer. And, you know, some of the techniques that I talked about, you know, I teach those across the country. And again, when I show up at these conferences and a lot of people are trying to get questions at the end or they're raising their hands or they're like, man, how do you do this? And where are you? Can I come visit? You know, I want to come watch you do surgery because I still can't wrap my hand around it, head around it. I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana. Come down and take yeah. your aspirin. You enjoy the food. It's oh, really good. fall in love with it here. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing about your professional career. I want yeah. to hear more about some of your personal pursuits. You, you're a man of many talents and hobbies, and you've got a great story, and I want to hear about your book. Before we do, though, every interview, Jason, we, we pause and reflect back on a past interview. And this one I wanted to pull up with your friend Marcus Brown, who I just can't say enough good about. Okay. And in this, um, in this podcast, Marcus talks about an encounter he had in 1996 with Baton Rouge native Steven Soderbergh, who directed films such as Aaron Brockovich and Ocean's Eleven. And Steven Soderbergh led Marcus to realize he could stay here in Louisiana and build a successful career in the entertainment industry, which he did. So Marcus followed that advice, and Soderbergh's wisdom was proven true. You can find this interview at discoverlafayette.net or wherever you get your podcast. And I want to thank Facet, who's bringing us this moment. Facet is a career coaching and talent management firm. They've helped the employees of hundreds of companies improve performance, find or move into that right position, or change careers. FACET can help your organization improve both the analytical and interpersonal sides of your business. Worry less, FACET more. For more information, visit facetgroup.com. And now the moment. That uh, in 1996 you were involved with Steven Soderbergh, and I'm mm. assuming you were taping in Baton Rouge, um, and he encouraged you to look at um, staying home. Like you don't ha- not not that you couldn't go to Hollywood, mm-hmm. but that you don't have to be in Hollywood to make movies. And my reading on that it it, it really intrigued me because. When you started your work with SLCC and your young acting career, that is when Louisiana was starting to see that it could be a site for uh, great movies to be made. Would you talk about that? I mean, did you always, did you see yourself going off to California? That's what most people think when they're young. It's, you know, I'm going to go off to New York or 
Hollywood? Yeah. Short answer, yes. Um, when I first started, you know, the, the the experience that you mentioned, I was doing a short film, and I was actually graduating from my master's program. Mm -hmm. And Steven Soderbergh had cast a number of uh, actors in a experimental film that he was working on. And one day after shooting, he said, you know, the main reason that I did this film was to show people that you don't have to be in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in Hollywood to make movies. You Is he a Baton Rouge? Yes. He's a Baton Rouge native. Right. Yeah. So I know that was important to him. Right. His family's from there. Sex, Lies, and Videotape was right. taken in Baton Rouge, right on LSU's campus. So that was very challenging to me where, you know, you think you have to go somewhere else to start right. something or be involved in something. Uh, and, you know, those are two different paths, but because of the timing, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and the tax credits, all of a sudden the opportunities were coming to Louisiana. Right. And I was a a larger fish in a small pond, mm -hmm. so there was a lot of opportunities that were created for me by being here and having the training and having the, um, the I guess, the desire that I did to do that kind of work. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. We're here with Dr. Jason Cormier of Acadiana Neurosurgery and the Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. So Jason, when I researched you, I was almost in disbelief about the disparate fields that you have become really skilled at. Not only are you a you know, renowned neurosurgeon, I don't even know where to start. Like, let's maybe start <laughs> with... Um, Let's start with NASCAR and racing go karts, right? Sure. Like you're, you like to race. I do. Yeah, it's a, it's that a bad seems bug. dangerous. Yeah, but you know uh, how to protect your head now. <laughs> so I have to blame my brother, older brother John, for that. Uh, he was really the speedster of the family initially, <laughs> and um, and between him and my older sister Dolores, you know, I love them dearly. Um, I got into just really driving things. I just loved speed, and we. You know, true racers don't just race on the track. We would race with like brushing our teeth or something, or oh, washing really? dishes. So uh -huh. it's just anything. To, right? It's just yeah. always competitive. Um, and so I got into NASCAR. Um, it was kind of a serendipity. Um, my goal: I wanted to be a a, um, a, a, a team doctor for Formula One. Oh. And I met up with this guy by the name of Jeff Gordon, and now he's he's with. Uh, um, uh, I mean, Jeff Goodwin and now Noah Gordon, who with A-Track Entertainment, who I, I do music with, um, they were involved in NASCAR. And so he got me into um, teaching the drivers about head injuries, spinal mm -hmm. cord injury, and also nutrition. So I created Motorsports Safety Group with Julian Bales, with Alan Apley, and, some, and uh, Dr. Danny Bedros. And what we did is we pulled together um, surgeons and doctors that were athletes in the past. And so basically, uh, Motorsport Safety Group was um, comprised of six neurosurgeons, um, three orthopedic surgeons, um, a heart surgeon, and a physiologist. And so based on all that, we all came together and decided this is how we're going to elevate the safety mm -hmm. in high-contact sports. And so that was kind of the NASCAR piece. And then it expanded to um, you know, the NHRA, um, NHL, NCAA, you know, mm -hmm. et cetera, anything that was involved in high contact sports like the Jockey Guild yeah. uh, and, and and all that. So uh, just really kind of blessed the way it came together. And Julie, Julian Bales was a, a big part of that. You still race? I do race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and part of being 
uh, I guess a doctor in some of these circuits, um, you get to test drive the cars and you get to, so I've driven, I've driven Talladega a few times. Mm-hmm. I've driven uh, Daytona a few times. <laughs> right. right. And, um, and, you know, I race go-karts uh, both here and also in, in Texas. So it's, it's fun. How fast have you gone? Um, my go-karts are like the, um, they're, uh, they call Rotax uh, shifter carts and mine are kind of souped up so you can get up to about 130 miles Oh my miles God, per hour you're around. so low to the ground. And what about yeah. in cars that you've test driven? Oh, so yeah, when I was, when I did Talladega, I got up to, uh, I think 187. Man. Um, Does and the that car was just fabulous. shake? No, just... they're smooth. Now really? when you hit bumps, um, it can, it can really create some issues, which is why the NASCAR drivers have been so interested in wearing the Q collar. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention when they're banging each other around, I wasn't doing that, but, uh, there are bumps on the road. The, the track can look smooth, but once you get on it, it's, it's a little rocky in places, but, um, but no, the, the cars are pretty stable. What a dangerous sport though. Cause it's really a, it's about the other drivers. If well, they mess up, you're out of luck. I mean, you know, and, and you would. And, and when you, so I want, I want you to think about it this way. Is it safer to be on a track with other professional drivers or is it safer to be on Johnson on Street? Johnson Street? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> with people with who people are texting, the they're texting, they're t- watching their kids, right? right? So yeah. I would rather be on the track every day of the week. With professionals? With professionals because they know how to get there. They know how to avoid you. They know how to take a hit. They know what they're doing. Drivers out there, you know, some mm. people perhaps maybe shouldn't have a driver's license, you know. Um, Especially lately. No one no one acknowledges a red light anymore. Exactly. And yeah. pedestrians are pretty much SOL. Like we've a- had so absolutely. many deaths recently. Absolutely. Yeah. So while you see the track, you know, the ask accidents on tracks, that's nothing compared to what, you know, mm-hmm. just a day-to-day life. life. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd like to hear about your musical career. I've listened, I told you, I listened to some of your music, which I don't know that I would have found just because it's a different genre from what I came up with, but you are talented. I love your music. Thank you. Tell um, us about it, what, what that's about. So I, I was, uh, like you mentioned before, I was, a, I was a DJ in this little group that Marcus and Carl and I had in high school. And um, in 2015, um, I, uh, I uh, attended a concert. It was called Hangout Fest. Yeah, and, I know um, about that. Yeah. Orange Beach. Orange huh? Beach. And Skrillex, I remember Skrillex was on stage. And I remember looking out in the crowd, and I was with some friends and whatnot, and uh just people were having fun. It was young energy, mm-hmm. um, and no one really had a care about what was going on in the world in terms of politics or violence. And they were just together, and it was just a good time, and it was safe. And so I decided, and I think I need to get back to that because, you know, I had the opportunity to meet um, Hadley Castile uh, before he passed away, and he was a uh, Cajun fiddler. Went to the Hall of Fame actually, mm-hmm. and and I remember um, he said to me uh, during our conversations, he said, "Doc, you know, I don't think I'm a I'm a good fiddler." I was like, "Are you kidding me? You're in the Hall of Fame." He said, "I just make music that I think will make people feel good," mm-hmm. and so I bring that with me into my music every time. You know, there's an inspiration because every song I have is an inspiration, whether it's a remix or it's a, an original track that I'm creating. And um, and I'll get in my studio and and start making a, creating a track. And, and before you know it, it's, it's done. And some of them I'll toss away. And I've also had the opportunity to listen to them in the operating room. 
with oh, the, while you're uh, with the crew, working. yeah, right. Wow. So that's kind of They're the litmus upbeat. test, right? It's it's the litmus test, and so the first litmus test is uh, is my fiance Caitlin, mm-hmm. and if she doesn't like it, then it doesn't make it to the operating room. If she likes it, then and you know the operating room will listen to it, and then she'll listen to it again, and if they all check out, she's obviously the final the final puzzle piece of the puzzle. Then I'll keep it. Otherwise, and I'll I'll throw mm-hmm. it away. Um, so that's and and it's worked out well. And so I've now been working with a lot of country music stars um, through A Track Entertainment, through uh, Jeff Goodwin and, and Noah Gordon, and and through that we've signed a number uh, of big acts. Shenandoah was one of the yeah. more recent ones, and so uh, we're planning on doing some really really big things. We have uh, two Billboard awards um, with Aaron Lewis, the song "Am I the Only One." And um, and that was pretty incredible. So the company is really growing pretty quickly, and uh, just blessed to be a part of it. And I'm having fun, you know. I'm, it's just, it's 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 interesting how the passions that I have in terms of medicine, racing, uh, sports, and music have kind of come together in a way that, mm-hmm. um, you know, they all make sense and they're kind of all married together. And that became it came out of some trauma that I suffered early in life. Uh, which is the basis of my podcast called Rise Above. Um, and, and so I talk about these things both in the book and in the podcast, and I also invite other people to, to join to talk about their adversities because the story needs to be told yeah. for a lot of us. I read that you said, um, speaking of passions, don't forget your passions. And you segue really beautifully about your book. I know that you suffered an incredible loss as a young man, and it, it it caused sadness, and um, we all go through that. But your your loss was um, profound. Well, you know, I think mental health is a is a um, it's a huge um, it's a concept that people really you know it's not cool, and people think they they shouldn't talk about it. But you know, I think um, the more you talk about things, it becomes therapeutic. And so, it wasn't just really the tragedy of my brother that passed away. It was more so what I went through in my own household and those sorts of things that helped me to become um, the person I am today, to overcome some of those things. And so, you know, a person can go through uh, mental abuse, they can go through physical abuse, some of those things I went through, and you have to try to rise above essentially and and overcome that to decide what kind of person you're going to be um, in life. And so uh, I, I, I think that it's uh, important for anyone that's ever been through that, that's found some success, and I've made some successes in my life, to talk about it, to help, maybe it'll help other people out there that are going through it. Mm-hmm. Well, talk about your book some. I mean, Driven, it, it's you. You're obviously driven, but to do good. And I know you wanted to share good with this book to inspire others. The book is the book is for anyone that um, has... Uh, experienced some trials and tribulations and perhaps they came to a point to where they decided, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of depressed. I may even, you know, no one's immune to even considering suicide and all those sorts of things. And so the book is for that person that may find some difficulty and they're looking for ways out, but to focus on you, focus on yourself. And I think that for me, the four tenets that I have when I look at adversity is one, um, invest in yourself big time. Always invest in yourself. Two, surround yourself with 
positive people. Mm -hmm. Three, be accountable. And four, read or write something every single day. And I think those four things, at least for me, help develop my mental toughness to rise above and, and build my physical toughness to say that I'm going to succeed no matter what. And if I fail, it's not because God failed me, it's because I failed myself. That's pretty profound. Yeah. Yeah. I love this quote from your friend, Shaquille O'Neal, on the mm -hmm. back of the book. It says, what's up, Doc? Jason Cormier is one guy who can truly say, I know I got skills with a Z on a basketball court, on a racetrack, behind the turntables, and in the operating room. He could say it, but his actions say it for him. Now he shows you how you can do it too. So you think really surrounding yourself with other positive people that uplift you. So many of us listen to voices that they just want to drag us down. Absolutely. You know, I, you know, I think that, when, when, and this has been written, written about in several books, uh, the four reasons people fail, whether it's, you know, whatever demographic you look at, whether you go back to the millennials or Gen Z or whatever it is, there's four things. One, you know, um, poor parenting. You know, you are accountable. And now I have a nine-month-old and wow. another one on the way. <laughs> so you are accountable, right? Because that, that you know, and, and choose, um, you know, your mate wisely because that's the first teacher of the next child, the next nation. And you're accountable as a father. So I have huge responsibilities. My biggest, my greatest creation is now, you know, my daughter. And that, and uh, my daughter, um, uh, Celine, we call her Cece, and Caitlin, my fiance, and our six-year-old Brixton, that's my pot of gold. And that pot of gold is going to be added when our newborn comes in in April, a uh, casein. And so uh, the second thing is um, uh, social media. Social media is, you know, it's not the, it's not necessarily the balance of it. It's the imbalance of the unfettered um, access to social media that can penetrate and do some really bad things to you. The third thing is impatience. People want everything now. They don't want to earn it. They don't want to work for it. If the goal, if the, if the, if the drive or the journey is easy and it's quick, well, it can end quick as well. And so things aren't going to be tough. I want people to read the book and think that, like, this was an average human being and he accomplished some things despite what some might think were insurmountable odds. Despite that, there are many people that have a tougher story than I have, but so share your story to help others and that can essentially help the world. And then the last thing is your environment. So surround yourself with good people. I can't say that enough. And the people that I grew up with um, that are doing big things like Lyle Mouton, Troy Taylor, mm -hmm. Marcus Brown, Carmart, all these different guys that came together. Um, we were, gosh, we were like brothers and we still keep, we maintain contact today, contact with each other today. And uh, we're on different threads. And that, you know, they're good people. So I didn't have a choice or an excuse. If I didn't make something out of myself, then... You know, let your butts down. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's always a reason. If you didn't, if you didn't survive, then what is your excuse? And I think probably Eric Thomas said it better. If you give fifty percent, then you owe yourself an explanation. Mm -hmm. Punish yourself. You can't have. You can't watch TV. You can't have this or that. Be accountable. And if you gave fifty percent, you owe yourself an explanation. Look in the mirror, and you better have a good explanation for yourself. I'm glad you mentioned social media. It just seems that that is a bottomless pit of wasted time. It does good. And I know you want to promote things that you do, but I, I think about so many people spending hours on that, degrading others. 
when they could be bettering themselves and making a difference, you know. You're, you're absolutely right. There are, there are pros and cons of it. And when you go back and you look at the interviews of people that created those websites, they're in, they're, they're in tears because the avatars have been created. Um, there's a, a show called The Social Dilemma, and they go over how these avatars are created and you're just manipulated, and it's about money. But now, if you're on there to share pictures and this, that, and the other, look, there are great aspects of social media, but it's a balance. It's all about balance. And when you fall out of that balance, then you're in trouble and you become penetrable to anybody out there. How do you manage your time, speaking of balance, <laughs> to be able to be a top surgeon and have all these other interests? Like, is there a secret you can share with us? <laughs> Four letters. Team. I have a team. I have a really good team. Um, it starts off at home. I have a very supportive uh, um, cast. That's that's my fiance Caitlin and her son Brixton and, and our, our newborn. Um, and then in my office, uh, Shannon Thompson is my personal assistant. Um, she manages just my schedule. Her job is my life. It's a job that I would not really want to have. She set this up for us. She's, and she's traveling now, right? She's, she's fabulous. I wouldn't know yeah. how to set this up. She's yeah. fabulous. So uh -huh. if there's a conference call that I have with any organization, the NFL, the NCAA, whatever, she she's interacting with that. Uh, the songs that I've created, she's she had those copyrighted. She's oh, working with the publishers. Really? She's working with the book. It's like she's all just hands-on. And so, wow. so she does, there's so many things she does, and I don't even have half of them. I just know that my life is kind of going forward between her, my uh, office manager here, uh, Brittany Henry, uh, my uh, studio manager at Orange Theory, uh, Summer. And so I have a number of different things ongoing. And mm -hmm. so my team is the secret to my success. It's not me. I, you know, I, I figured out a long time ago that I could not, it would take more than one person to live my life. And that sounds kind of weird, but if you think that you can manage everything on your own, you're, you're not going to be very successful. You need to be able to trust other people that buy into what your system is so you can get that credit in the bank. You better have God as a center, as, as, as a center, as a cornerstone, and you can do some amazing things. Look, I, I'm, a, I'm an average person, but I've been able to accomplish some things. And, um, and you know, I think we're just getting started. I, you know, I it's, think it's, so. Uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting when we talk about mental um, toughness and some of the mental health things that I talk about in the book, mental illnesses. You know, with when, sometimes when I look back at my resume, um, you know, I grin sometimes because what mental health can do, your mental illness can do to you, always thinking that whatever you accomplished was never enough because maybe someone didn't say, hey, I love you enough or I'm proud of you enough. You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I start thinking, what are you going to do with your life? And for what I've accomplished. You still do. Yeah, I do every now and then. And, and you know, that's some of those demons. Those are demons I still have to fight each day. Mm -hmm. And so it, that pushes me to do things to be much better and to push to be harder. But in the book, my, my author asked me, he said, you know, um, if, you, if you were maybe recognized by your loved ones or the people that should have said, hey, I love you, I'm proud of you, how do you think things would have turned out? And I said, I probably would have accomplished a lot less, but I might have appreciated yeah. a lot more. Complacent, so, huh? Yeah. Because you'd be okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was just, it wasn't enough becoming a neurosurgeon. It had to be mm -hmm. more than that. It wasn't enough interacting with these organizations. It's just, it's not enough. And 
sooner or later, you know, um, when Celine was born February 23rd this year, um, that is my finest hour. That was my best, you mm -hmm. know, just, uh, wow, I was part of this. God's now, Caitlin gift. had the baby, but, yeah. you know, that's, that's, my, that's my finest hour. What no matter gift. what else I did, yeah, yeah, that's my finest hour. So. Do you sleep well at night when you hit the pillow? Um, <laughs> yeah, mind, as Caitlin, she'll tell you no. Um, you know, I, I, I go to sleep, you know, at odd hours. You mm -hmm. know, I'm up until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm up at around 5, 5.30. Oh, my gosh. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I think sleep can be a jip because you, you miss out on some things you can do. Um, when they go to sleep, I go in my studio and I start creating music. Um, or I'm reading up on different journals and, and keeping mm -hmm. up with neurosurgery or neurology or stroke protocols and all that. So um, I just kind of stay in motion, and that keeps me um, yearning for more and more knowledge. I'm just a, I think I'm just a thief for knowledge. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's why I don't sleep all that much and why I just keep going. I don't know why I asked that, but I thought with all your activities, it can be hard to just, like, you know, put it to rest. Yeah. So, well, yeah. you know— I keep track of my sleep. You know, I, if I, as long as I get three hours or something, I'm good. So I might, if I, if I, um, for example, you're gonna, this is gonna sound nuts, but I remember uh, three weeks ago, um, something three weeks ago, I had a um, a week of just constant travel, and I was on call until 5 a.m. And then my mm. flight left Lafayette at 6 a.m. Oh my gosh! And so I landed in um, I landed in uh, San Francisco um, for oh, conference. Time change, right? <laughs> time change. And so I got off the plane, and then uh, 30 minutes I had to give a, a, a talk on brain injury, and then kind of rest up. And then two hours later, I had another talk that that next day. I mean, that same day. And then I got a little bit some rest, and I had a conference call and and a um, and a Zoom call. And then the, the very next day, I had another talk on brain injury uh, and also on, on uh, spinal operations. And then Tuesday, I left um, California and I flew to Chicago for a spine conference. And so I landed there, and that's when Caitlin kind of met up with me with uh, Celine. And, and she was kind of, you know... Um, had some jet lag and, and whatnot. And I was like, well, I still have things to do. I'm working on another PowerPoint because I had to present mm -hmm. the next day and Thursday morning. So Thursday morning, I left for Nashville. <laughs> so we landed in Nashville um, for a video shoot with Shenandoah on Friday. And then Saturday, we kind of had some free time and I met with my author oh my and some of the producers of my music. Uh, I mean, some of the publishers of my music and then finally came home on Sunday. And so all of that, you know. Yeah, that's probably not unusual, though. Right, it's not. Ways. And I sleep on the plane sometimes. Yeah. And so I, I get rest. It's just I get it in pockets, and mm -hmm. I'm just okay with that. And I think my mother's probably part of that. She would always get up around 4 o'clock in the morning. So um, I've always kind of yeah. been a late, late, uh, late to go to bed and, and an early riser. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you're here in Lafayette, Louisiana. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just so glad you stayed because yeah. you really could live anywhere in your profession. You know, I was offered a number of different opportunities. Even today, you know, they still uh, are offered. And, um, but, but Lafayette provides uh, so much. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so much talent here. There's a, there's a lot of networking. There's a lot of scholarship here. And uh, some of my people have become some of my best friends. You know, Marcus has been my homegrown 
uh, brothers, um, you know, Matt Steller and his great family with CC and, and their and their and their kids, um, Matthew and uh, um, Alex and uh, Lauren. They're they're just uh, and that's just a few. You know, Bart Bernard. I can go on and on. Stanley Blackstone. They're they're just and Jay Owens. They're they're just great people here in Lafayette. You know, and um, you have people like. Um, um, uh, Kip Schumacher, who's doing things for ERs and 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 building, um, you know, just 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 organizations that help people, and you just don't see that, you know, everywhere. Um, you know, Dust, Dustin Poirier, who's oh one of the gosh. greatest yeah. fighters ever, and mm-hmm. um, and and uh, you know, UFC, you know, he's here, in, he's here in Louisiana, in Lafayette too, and he's not going to leave Acadiana. You know, these are these are people that I think are much bigger than me, have bigger stories. And they decided to to leave. Who am I to think that I'm too big for Acadiana? I'm humbled. I'm proud to be here, and it's so good to that people like that are still here, yeah. you know, in this in this town. And you know, the, the list goes on and on. Popular lawyers like Clyde Simeon, you know, Pride uh, Doran, just all these people are just great. Judge Rubin, I go on and mm-hmm. on. Um, his daughter, um, Chandra Rubin, who is in Wimbledon, they're, awesome. they're all here, you yeah. know. And and so you, there's just so much. Uh, people stayed here for a reason, mm-hmm. and and so I'm glad I did too. I'm, I'm glad I was. Glad. I'm glad I was embraced when I came back. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. So, because you were gone quite a while with your. Yeah, I was gone so. for a while, but you quite know, the, a few years. The guys I work with, the neurosurgeons, um, Dr. Munchie, Dr. Traha, Dr. Juno, Brennan. You, it goes on and on. They're, they're just, they're just, they were mm-hmm. really uh, great in embracing me to come here. So it's good to be here. Is there any message you would like to close out with? Did I did I ask you what you expected? You probably didn't give this much thought um, before, but is there anything you'd like to share? You know, it's always good to to share. Um, I guess a snapshot of my life. Um, I know there are people out there that are suffering from uh, whether it's back pain or neck pain or even mental health and whatnot. <laughs> and I think that people need to know that there are re- there are resources for that. Um, whether there's a clinic in town or uh, whether there's a friend um, or a coach or an athletic trainer. Um, there's so many good things here in, in Lafayette. And I don't think I probably speak enough about that and the threads and the fabrics that we have in this town and the good people. Um, the book is is coming out. <laughs> it's called The Driven Book. Um, please go to the website www.thedrivenbook.com. Hopefully you read it. Hopefully you you get something out of it. Um, It's not for a person that experiences... um, Okay. Um, It's it's not for a person that experiences success after success after success. It's for a person that uh, had to go through some things and found their way. Um, And so I hope people enjoy it. I hope it's uh, it's meant to... um, hopefully teach and, and be a guide. And again, it's my story and I hope more people would be inclined to share their story. I think that's really how we're gonna, we're gonna help America and help the world. Dr. Jason Cormier, thank you so much, not only for sharing your time today, but sharing your life story and um, inspiring others. We're gonna put in our show notes about Driven. I'm gonna send people to the website for that, but um, If we do need some help, I'm also going to send people to you in the Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital. So thank you. Thank you, Jan. It's a pleasure to be here.
I'd also like to thank our loyal listeners who make our show possible. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit discoverlafayette.net, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and check out over 290 interviews with interesting and exciting people that make up our region. Our show is made possible with the support of our generous sponsors. I'd like to thank Home Bank, Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, Facet Group, and in particular, Raider and Jason Sakura, who mixes our tape. You make it sound so professional. Thank you. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. Discover Lafayette.